Good morning, everyone. A gift to see you all, a gift to worship with those of you joining us online. For those of you joining, my name is Rich. I'm the lead pastor here at New Life. And whether you're joining from YouTube, from Facebook, from newlife.nyc, it's a gift to have you worship with us virtually uh, and in person. Uh, Before I get into uh, my message today, I'll, I'll let you know, at the end of our service, I'll be downstairs, some of our... Uh, pastors and uh, leaders will be downstairs as well. And so if we've never met before or if we haven't met in a long time, I'd love to meet you before you head out of the building. So please stop by and say hello. Also want to make mention that we are in a season of receiving uh, elder nominations. New Life Fellowship Church turns, uh, we begin our 36th year of ministry this fall. Amazing, isn't that? 36 years of ministry. Amen. And over the course of our 36 years, one of the reasons why I believe we have been uh, a church that has had strength and health and the ways that God has moved in our midst over 36 years is because we've had some remarkable women and men who have served as elders in our church over many decades. Our elders serve to help us guard our values, to help us discern very large issues Uh, that's going on in our world. The the elders are the group of people that I report to, that our executive pastor reports to. And so these uh, group of people are truly significant for the life, the health, and the vitality of our church. And our elders have six-year terms, and so every year, someone's typically stepping off and someone is stepping on to the board. And this is where the congregation really uh, can come in very helpful uh, to help us continue uh, to strengthen our church through a wonderful board. If you know of someone in our congregation that you believe to be godly, you believe to be uh, someone who has a life with God in prayer, we're not talking about perfection, we're talking about someone who has a life with God, uh, someone who has wisdom, and if you want to recommend their name or nominate them, we would love to have you uh, do so. So, very simply, our process is we receive nominations from our congregation, Then we have what's called an elder search committee that has interviews and applications and all that. And then we finalize the process and receive new elders. But you play a significant role in that. So if you know someone in our congregation uh, that is, again, godly, prayerful, has wisdom, and you think could be a great gift to our church in this capacity, you can very simply uh, share their name and why you're recommending them uh, to uh, elders at newlife.nyc, elders at newlife.nyc uh, by June 30th, and uh, that will really help us to continue uh, to build on uh, 35 years of wonderful history of having strong elders in our church family. And so uh, please participate uh, with us in that. Uh, let's get to this message here, and shout out to my fellow Puerto Ricans. Today is uh, Puerto Rican Day. Just a wonderful day to uh, eat some Puerto Rican food and, and throw out some salsa after church in the name of Jesus. And so go ahead and do it. Your soul will be glad that it did. Okay, uh, let's get into the sermon. John chapter 3, uh, we're focusing on the Holy Spirit, the radically accessible presence of God. And two weeks ago, we focused on the word that Jesus said, it is better that I leave so that the Holy Spirit can come, that The greatest gift Jesus does is gives us the presence of the Holy Spirit. 
And last week we focused on Pentecost Sunday, how uh, the Holy Spirit was poured out and what happens when the Spirit is poured out. Today we're going to look at another metaphor of the Holy Spirit that Jesus gives, uh, seeing the, the Holy Spirit as wind, the wind of the Holy Spirit. And what does it mean to be carried by the wind of the Holy Spirit? John chapter 3, verses 1 through 8, Jesus is having a conversation with a man named Nicodemus. And beginning at verse number 1, hear the word of the Lord. It says, Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. And Jesus answered, you're taking me too literally. He didn't say that. He said, no, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and of the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows. Amen. Wherever it pleases, you hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, breathe on us now. Blow over this place. Blow over our hearts. Carry us. Move us. Encourage us. Confront us, heal us. We open ourselves up to you now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. A few years ago, I had my first kite flying experience. My first kite flying experience. I was looking for something to do with our family uh, on our Sabbath. And so we went to Brooklyn Bridge Park and found out that there was a kite festival at Brooklyn Bridge Park and so we take our family there and we're we're we're, we're about to have a good time and uh, I don't have a kite and so I need to purchase a kite and and they said these kites are for thirty dollars thirty dollars how in the world is a kite for thirty dollars this is the new Brooklyn uh, Brooklyn Bridge Park and so I said can I get it for 20 man I got two kids and and the guy gave it to me for twenty dollars and so I I got the kite for twenty dollars now I don't know how to assemble the kite thank God for my wife Rosie my wife Rosie she She's the assembler in the house. Amen. Uh, whenever we get furniture, she's the assembler of the house. Amen. Whenever I need directions, uh, she's the director of the house. She does it all. Amen. And so she starts, yes. I, and so she starts assembling this kite. And I said, thank you, honey. And we get to this place. And I see all these kites, you know, flying in the air. And so I'm thinking I'm going to get the kite in the air and then hand it over to my children so that they can fly the kite because, of course, this day is about them. This day is about them. And so five minutes go by, and I'm having a hard time getting the kite in the air. Ten minutes go by, I'm having a hard time getting it in the air. Fifteen minutes, twenty minutes, twenty-five minutes, thirty minutes. It seems like the only kite that's not flying in Brooklyn is my kite. <laughs> 
Now, at this point, the kids are getting irritable. Rosie's hot. Everybody's upset. And Rosie says, we should come back another time and fly this kite another time. And I said, I am not leaving this park until I get this kite in the air. And so it was about the kids. It was about the kids. Uh, <laughs> and so Rosie starts encouraging me some more. She starts saying, you got to let the wind take it. Just let the wind take it. A little bit of wind can take it up in the air. And so I finally listened to my wife and let the wind take it. And the kite went up in the air. And boy, was it beautiful to see. Just beautiful to see. And as it's flying in the air, the kids are going, it's my turn. I'm going, get away, this is my, this is my kite. <laughs> it was about the kids, of course. But, but I just wanted to fly the kite for the first time. Now, any, you have to know something about me. Whenever I do something new, whenever I watch something new, I tend to, be, tend to be very obsessive about the new information, the new movie. And so if I watch a movie, I tend to read all the articles about how the movie uh, started and production and everything else. And, oh, there was a book to the movie. Let me read the book. I have this obsessive uh, part of my personality. And so when I went home, I started researching about kites. All kinds of kites. Read the Kite Runner. It was wonderful. And so I started doing these things about kites. And I came across this one website that, that said something that struck me. And it said these words. It said, kiters know that a kite has no spirit until it has been flown. Even if your kite is only for decoration, it should be flown at least once. Basically what this quote is saying is, a kite is not really a kite until it has been taken up by the wind. And if it's true for a kite, amen, it's even more true for a Christian. Because it's easy for someone to look like a Christian. It's easy for someone to talk like a Christian. It's easy for someone to go to church like a Christian. But until you've been taken up by the wind of the Holy Spirit, amen, you are not truly living the life that God has called you to. If our lives are to be like this kite, we are called to be taken up by the wind of the Holy Spirit. And this is the conversation that Jesus is having with this guy, Nicodemus. In our passage today, we are introduced to a man named Nicodemus. We'll call him Nick for short. Nick is a religious man who is part of a very strict group of religious people called the Pharisees. To become a Pharisee from boyhood, you had to go through a lot of rigorous training. You had to memorize the first five books of the Old Testament. Did you hear what I just said? I'm not talking about Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, pass the test. No, I'm talking about the entirety of Genesis, the entirety of Exodus, the entirety of Leviticus, the entirety of Numbers, the entirety of Deuteronomy. These people had to memorize the entirety of the first five books of the Bible. They had demanding rituals such as fasting, praying multiple times a day, bathing three times a day. But not only was Nick part of the Pharisees, he would grow up to be a member of the Jewish 
ruling council, an organization known as the Sanhedrin. And to be a member of the Sanhedrin, you had to learn more than just the five books of the Hebrew Scriptures. You had to know mathematics. You had to be excel in philosophy, in oratory, in history, in medicine, in astronomy. Nick is a scholar par excellence. Nick has a phenomenal resume. Whenever someone had a question about anything, Nick has the answer for it. And so Nick comes to Jesus at night. This is the first instance of Nick at night. Yes, it is. <laughs> Amen. You get this stuff for free. This stuff is for free here. And so this guy, Nick, who knows all the questions, is perplexed because he's watching this guy named Jesus. He's seeing how he's teaching. And he's like, this guy has authority. He looks at him healing and he says, this guy has some power. I need to get to know this guy a little bit more. And so he comes at night. Perhaps he was embarrassed. Perhaps he, he didn't want to seem like a, a fanboy. He just wanted to come at night to ask Jesus some questions. And when he sees Jesus, he begins to butter Jesus up with some comments. He says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. And it's as if Jesus interrupts him and says, thanks for that Nicodemus I have a very simple word for you very truly I tell you no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again Jesus doesn't wait for him to ask the question Jesus doesn't wait for him to to pose his query Jesus doesn't wait for him to to, to, to throw out any kind of conversation he just says Nick I got to tell you one thing I'm glad you're here I'm glad you went through all of that rigorous training and all that education. I'm glad that everyone looks to you as a big leader. But I want to tell you something. Unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Now that word, that phrase, born again, has a lot of baggage with it, especially in our culture. There's some good baggage, some negative baggage. But to be clear, that word born again, that phrase born again, literally means to be born from above, to be born from above, to be born anew. In our American society, often has to do more with your often political and social convictions, what it means to be born again. But when Jesus says you have to be born again, he's saying something needs to happen deep down in your soul that has you to see the world in a whole different way. And so look what Jesus is saying. Unless you start all over by being born from above, you cannot, hear the word, see the kingdom of God. When Jesus says this, he's not talking primarily about going to heaven. In this context, when Jesus says you must be born again, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God, what he's saying is, unless you're born again, you cannot see how God is active in the world. Unless, unless you're born again, you cannot see what God is doing because the kingdom of God is what God is doing. The kingdom of God is the strange, upside down, countercultural, counterintuitive, subversive, surprising way of Jesus Christ. And unless you are born again, 
You cannot see the way that the kingdom of God is active in the world. And so he looks at Nicodemus, a man who has accomplished so much, a man who has all kinds of standing in society. And he says, Nick, if you want to see what God is doing, you have to rethink a lot of things. And this is staggering because of who Nicodemus was in his day. If anyone who was listening to this conversation, they would have been shocked that Jesus would have been so direct and told Nicodemus that he has to change in order to see the kingdom of God. It would be like uh, a Billy Graham coming to Jesus at night and Jesus looking at Billy and says, Billy, you must be born again. Ah, shock. How is that possible? That Billy Graham, the guy who said, you, you told everybody to be born again. It would be shocking. And this is what Jesus is saying to Nicodemus. It should be shocking. Because Jesus is calling us to a different kind of way of being. And Nick is perplexed. He says, how can someone be born when they're old? He doesn't know what he's been formed in such a way that he has no sense of understanding for what Jesus is doing here. He's been formed so profoundly for many, many years. And when I think about Nick, I think about us. That we, too, have been profoundly formed and shaped for so many years that we find ourselves incapable of seeing and participating in what God is doing in the world. To some degree or another, we've been formed by our families, formed by our religious traditions, formed by cultural forces, formed by friends, formed by the media. And we've been formed in a myriad of ways, formed to see money in particular ways, formed to deal with conflict in particular ways. Formed to see success or failure in very particular ways. Formed to see people who don't look like us or act like us in particular ways. And all of this is so unconscious, so formed by our society, that we miss out in seeing the kingdom of God. And yet, when Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit in John chapter 3, he's letting us know, that although you've been formed in particular ways to see the world and interact with other people, the Holy Spirit wants to move us to begin to see the world through the lens of Jesus Christ, through the lens of the kingdom of God. And yet it is so hard to let go to the ways we have seen and understood the world. When I think about the wind of the Holy Spirit trying to take us, it's often our pictures we're holding on for dear life, doing whatever we can to avoid stepping away from what we're familiar with. And yet the Holy Spirit is blowing at this moment, trying to help us see the world from the perspective of Jesus, and yet there remains in us rigidity, a sense of stuckness. This is how I've always done it. This is how it's always been done. This is how my family did it. This is how my culture does it. This is how my job, and so we've been formed in particular ways, and then the wind of the Holy Spirit comes and says, I want you to rethink some things, and yet there remains some rigidity inside of us. 
I remember going to seminary and hearing a student say, I'm not going to let any of these professors change me. And I thought, you're spending all of this money. You're going into all kinds of student loan debt to let the professor know you're not going to change me. Do you know there's a much cheaper way of not changing? <laughs> and I'm hearing them going, we came here to be challenged. We came here to be changed. We came here to question our presuppositions. We came here to ask questions of ourselves. But it's so easy to be stuck in our ways. So easy to use various uh, seasons in life or various excuses to give justification to being set in our ways. Some of us use age as an excuse. We say, I'm too old to change. I've been like this for many, many years. I'm too old to change. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. But that's not how it works in the kingdom of God. Because at any given point, whether you're 50 or 60 or 70 or 80, notice I didn't say 43, my age. If you're 50 or 60 or 70, your age is not an obstacle to the Holy Spirit blowing us into change. You might have been stuck in for decades in a particular way of being, in a particular way of thinking, but the Holy Spirit can still change. Amen. Some of us use our place in life to justify not changing. We say, if I just got more breaks, then I change. We, we use our past to justify not changing. If you only understood where I've been, you understand why I can't do what you're calling me to do. And at New Life, we talk a lot about our past. We have people do genograms. We have people trace the ways that we've been formed by our family of origin. We cannot understand where we are today until we can recognize how we have been formed and shaped by previous generations. But just because we can understand how we've been formed and changed by, and shaped by particular generations before us doesn't mean we have to stay where we are. That to look back is not simply to gain, get a better perspective of why I am in the place I'm in today. I look back to understand why and then to ask the Holy Spirit to now blow me into a new direction. To now heal me in ways that I cannot heal myself. To now set a new future for my family and my generations to come and the generations after that. The Holy Spirit can move us and blow us at any given point. But it's important for us to recognize the excuses. The ways that we say, I cannot change. We often use our temperament or our personalities to give justification why we can't change. This is just who I am. And what happens is we conflate or confuse personality and temperament with character. That personality, that might be who you are, but Jesus wants to transform me from the inside out. And so Nicodemus is here with many years of formation, theological, cultural, philosophical formation. And Jesus looks at him and says, you must be born again. It's very similar to how Jesus begins his ministry. When Jesus begins his ministry, the first words out of his mouth are, repent, because the kingdom of God is near. And when Jesus says repent, that word repent doesn't mean, you know, you know do away with those dirty sins and follow me. What Jesus is more getting at is rethink everything in light of who I am. That's repentance. Rethink everything in light of who I am. 
Which is why when Jesus began his preaching ministry, he would often say, you have heard it said, but I tell you. You have heard it said this, but I tell you that. You have heard it said, do not murder, but I tell you, do not even be angry with someone. Don't harbor anger in your soul against someone. You heard it said, don't commit adultery, but I tell you, don't even commit lust in your heart. Jesus is saying repentance is rethinking everything in light of me. And there's a lot of you have heard it said, but I tell you that Jesus wants to get in our soul. You have heard it said by your family, but I tell you. You've heard it said by your particular ethnic group, but I tell you. You've heard it said by Fox News, but I tell you. You've heard it said by CNN, but I tell you. You've heard it said by people on television, but I tell you. Repentance, amen, is rethinking everything in light of Jesus Christ. And when he says, Nicodemus, you must be born from above, you must have a life of repentance, he says this is going to come by virtue of the Holy Spirit. And then he begins to talk about the Spirit. He says two things about the Spirit that I think is really important for us to hear. The first thing he says is that the Holy Spirit blows. The Holy Spirit blows. That he's talking about the ever-present movement of the Holy Spirit. That there's never a point in our lives when the Spirit is not moving. The Spirit is always moving in our lives. Always moving in our world. When we get paid, the Spirit is moving. I, can, I know it really feels like the Spirit's moving. But when you get laid off, the Spirit is moving as well. Good romantic relationship, the Spirit is moving. Failed relationship, the Spirit is still moving. At every given point, the Holy Spirit is moving. That should encourage us. Because there's never a moment in our lifetime when God is not moving towards us and for us. And so Jesus says, the Holy Spirit blows, and then he says, the Holy Spirit blows wherever it pleases. And so we have the ever-present movement of the Holy Spirit, and then we have the divine prerogative of the Holy Spirit. That it is impossible to control the Holy Spirit. That you cannot domesticate the Holy Spirit. That you cannot restrict the Holy Spirit. We cannot restrict the Holy Spirit for our own church. And then when, the, when it looks different in another church, we can, that's not the Holy Spirit. We don't have that right. We don't have the authority to do it. Because the Holy Spirit is going to blow wherever it pleases. The Holy Spirit is going to move on people we don't like. Amen. The Holy Spirit might bless people we can't stand. Amen. And we go, how did that happen? They don't deserve it. But the Holy Spirit blows wherever it pleases. It's the divine prerogative of the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit takes us places that we cannot take ourselves in such a way that confounds the world around us. This is why when Jesus, who was always filled with the Holy Spirit, when you look at Jesus move and minister, he was always confounding people because he was like the wind. You don't know where it's coming from. You don't know where it's going to take you. The people around Jesus' time, they would say, okay, you can't touch that person. The people who Jesus said you can't touch, Jesus touched them. Okay, you can't eat with that person. The people who Jesus said you can't eat with, he ate with them. 
Okay, you can't do this, you can't do that. Just say, okay, bet, I'm going to do everything they're telling me I cannot do. All the people that you've marginalized, all the people that you've ostracized, all the people that you said shouldn't count in our society, those are the people I'm going to move towards. Those are the people I'm going to bless. Amen. Those are the people I'm going to comfort. Those are the people I'm going to provide for. Jesus was always confounding people because he was always carried by the wind of the Holy Spirit. When I think about another person who's carried by the wind of the Spirit or seems to be very much carried by the wind of the Holy Spirit, I think about Pope Francis. Pope Francis, for a number of years, has captured the imagination of the world. And I was reading a recent biography of him. And what has made him so fascinating to so many people is how unpredictable he is. That you don't always know what he's going to do. And it documented just the various ways that he surprised people even on the first day when he became the Pope. Now some of you right now are going, is he even a Christian? <laughs> and maybe that's the Holy Spirit giving me a word of knowledge for some of you right now. Is he even a Christian? He certainly is a Christian. And Catholics are our brothers and sisters. And it's a very important thing to say. We might not agree with everything. We might not have, we have th theological disagreements. But they are our brothers and sisters. And so, let's continue. Pope Francis does a number of things that surprise people. For example, when he gets voted in as the Pope, when he emerges on the balcony... The cardinals are astonished because he's wearing his usual cross and silver ring because he turned down the gold papal ring and cross. As the pope, he was supposed to wear these blood-red shoes. But instead, he refuses to put those on and keeps on his black orthopedic shoes. Before he emerges to greet the crowd, he stops by to greet the cardinals, the, the leaders of the church. And in that tradition, they're supposed to kiss his ring. But instead of kissing his ring, he kisses all of their hands. Every single one of them. This is humility. He walks out of the balcony, and instead of pronouncing blessing on the people, he says, can you pray for me? Can you bless me? This is a subversive way of seeing power. He's known for sneaking out in the middle of the night to serve the poor in the area. This is the countercultural way of Jesus Christ, being carried by the wind of the Spirit. And when I think about our world, the church is called to confound the world around us. And here's something I think we really need to get in our souls. If the church is not confounding the world, maybe that's because the church resembles the world way too much. We aren't supposed to make sense, brothers and sisters. Can I preach this here? Our lives are not supposed to make sense. Our lives are to confound the people around us. In a society that's tearing itself apart right now, the church is to confound the world around us. When the church operates holding together things like forgiveness, and justice and saying we're not just going to be a church that forgives but not work for justice and we're not just going to be a church that works for justice but doesn't forgive that we're going to hold together things that the world tends to separate 
We should be confounding the world around us. People should look at the church and see our generosity and go, how are these people so generous? How are these people so kind? How are these people so reconciled to one another? If we're not confounding the world, it's because we're looking like the world. And the Holy Spirit wants to carry us, amen, in such a way that confounds the world around us. And yet it's so easy to be so stuck in our ways and saying, I am refusing to be carried by the wind of the Spirit because I'm just going to do what I have always done. And I'm going to just keep it here and not allow the Spirit to take me there. It reminds me, a few years ago, I was walking down Queens Boulevard, and I was in a rush. I knew I had $5 in my pocket, and as I'm walking to this meeting, a homeless man says, can I get $5? And, and I was about to give, and I just got to keep going, and I kept going, and, and kept going. And so I get in the car, take my keys out, and as I take the key out, I, I do like this here, and the $5 drops out of my pocket. And so I bend down to pick it up. And as I go down and pick it up, the wind takes it. Back in the direction of the guy who I was said no to. And so this is me down Queens Boulevard trying to get my $5 bill. You know what I'm saying? And me being just, I mean, pray for me. I need to be born again, again. I, you know, I take the $5 bill. I just go back in the car and drive off. And when I get in the car, I feel the Holy Spirit saying, I was blowing the $5 that way. That wasn't for you. That was for him. And it's so easy. That's a picture of our lives where the Holy Spirit wants to blow us over here. We go, I ain't going that way. The Holy Spirit says, make the phone call. I'm not making the phone call. Forgive, I am not forgiving. Give, I am not giving. Share your faith, I am not sharing my faith. Work for justice, ah, it's too, too complicated. And the Spirit wants to blow us. And we have domesticated the Holy Spirit, putting the Spirit, as it were, in our pocket. But Jesus says, if that's how you're relating to the Holy Spirit, you have not been carried by the Spirit yet. And so what does it mean to be carried by the Spirit? Let me offer a few words and then we'll sing. What does it mean to be carried by the Holy Spirit? First of all, to be carried by the Holy Spirit means that newness is possible at any moment. Newness is possible at any moment. I love the ways that the Holy Spirit surprises us. And our lives are to be on the lookout for newness. Some of you came to church today and you are desperately longing for newness. I want to give you some encouragement today. At any moment, transformation is possible. At any moment, the Holy Spirit can turn your situation around. At any moment, provision can come. At any moment, healing can come. At any moment, reconciliation can come. At any moment, the Holy Spirit can bring about newness in our lives. This is why when you hear somebody sick, pray for them. Lay hands on them. Because it just might be at that moment that the Holy Spirit wants to introduce newness into our world. Newness is possible at any moment. Moment. What does it mean to be carried by the Spirit? It means that we say yes to the unfamiliar. That we step out, we take risks. Because it's often as we take risks that the Holy Spirit begins to carry us. We say, I'll wait until I feel the Spirit, then I'll go. Sometimes you got to go when you don't feel it. And as you go, the Holy Spirit now begins to carry you. What does it mean? It means that we live with a posture of openness, of openness. This is why when I pray, I sit down with my hands open in this way. 
Not because I'm waiting for God to drop a dollar from heaven, but because it's a posture of openness. Lord, your kingdom come. Your will be done. And when I pray in this way, and I want to invite you this week, when you pray five minutes, ten minutes, fifteen minutes, that you pray with your hands open on your lap. A picture of openness. Lord, carry me where you want to carry me. Lord, lead me into conversations that you want me to have. Lord, give me courage to step out in faith. Lord, do what you will in me. We live with a posture of openness. And to be carried by the Holy Spirit means that we begin to see setbacks as spirit moments. Some of you right now, you're, you're, you're struggling. You're seeing challenges. You're seeing uh, uh, obstacle after obstacle, and you're wondering, where is God? And I want to tell you, even through your setbacks, even through the obstacles, even through the challenges, even through the pain, the Holy Spirit is still with you, and the Holy Spirit is working inside of you. This past week, I had a conversation with my uncle. My uncle was in the hospital having surgery. It was a rush thing. I saw it on Facebook. I gave him a call. I said, how you doing? I'm praying for you. And as I was calling him to encourage him, he starts to encourage me. He said, no, God is moving right now. I'm thinking, how is God moving? You're about to get surgery, emergency surgery. And he said, no, the Lord has me here for a purpose. God is moving. I'm thinking, that's the faith I need. I need that kind of faith. And he said, pray for me at the end. But really, he was praying for me the whole time. You see, when you've been born again, when you've been born from above, it's not simply, I go to heaven when I die. No, you begin to see how the Holy Spirit is at work in your life right this moment. And so, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, make us born again. Holy Spirit, give us eyes to see what you are doing. And as we open up our eyes to the Holy Spirit in this way, as we open up our hearts to Jesus Christ in this way, we begin to get a new lens, a new framework, a new way of seeing reality, being reminded that the Holy Spirit is with you. And here's what you need to hear about the Spirit. The Holy Spirit will, is never out to destroy you, but the Holy Spirit is out to disrupt you. You can trust in the goodness of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit does not want to destroy your life. But you can be sure that the Spirit wants to disrupt your life. And so on this Sunday, may we pray, come, Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray together. Come, Holy Spirit. Spirit, come, Holy Spirit, carry us into this new season, carry our church into a new season of ministry, carry our marriage Carry our families. Carry us. And may we be open to the surprising and subversive 
and countercultural and often confounding way of Jesus. Holy Spirit, come. We sing to you now words of praise and thanksgiving. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Let's all stand. Let's sing together. couple of years, the Holy Spirit wants to carry us and blow us into a new reality. My hope is that individually and as a community together, we would say yes to the wind of the Holy Spirit. Carry us, Holy Spirit, into this new era of being church and following Jesus. 
carry our individual lives, our families, our church as a whole. Come, Holy Spirit. As we close our service, I want to have our prayer team come. And our prayer team today is going to be in the upper stage room. We have an annual meeting at the end of this uh, service here at 1 o'clock. And so um, we're going to do something that's a little more disruptive, okay? We're going to let the ho- wind of the Holy Spirit take us and do something new. What I'd like you to do after our closing blessing is on the lower level here, if you can just grab a chair. If you're on this side here, just grab one chair and stack it on this side. And if you're on this side, if you can grab a chair and stack it on the other side. Uh, we could finish that probably in, in three, four minutes, and that'll help us set up for uh, this annual meeting that begins at one o'clock. Uh, after you take uh, the chairs, you can go in one, one or two directions. You can either go upstairs here to receive prayer. Our prayer team will be there for whatever needs you have, and we'd just love to pray for you. Or you can leave through the back entrance there. You can head out downstairs as well, head out the back entrance, but we need to clear this room as quickly as we can so we can... Uh, set up. And so let the Holy Spirit blow you out of this room, okay? Uh, <laughs> let's, let's have instant application to this sermon. Blow us, Holy Spirit, out of this room. And so uh, that would be really helpful uh, as we close our service. Listen, if you came to church today, if you're watching online and you've never said yes to Jesus Christ, Jesus loves you with an everlasting love. And He doesn't want to destroy your life, but He does want to disrupt it. disrupted in love to carry you places you cannot even dream he has life for you he has love for you joy for you peace for you would you say yes to his love would you say yes to his forgiveness to his salvation one of the ways you can do that is whether you come up to the upper stage room and receive prayer you can also especially if you're watching online text the phrase yes to Jesus to the number on the screen, 718-424-0122. One of our uh, pastors would love to follow up with you. Uh, But let Jesus blow you into a new dimension, a new season, a new story, because he loves you with an everlasting love. And let me bless you all here. I invite you to open your hands towards heaven to receive a blessing. My hope for all of you, my hope for myself, is that our ears would be listening to the Holy Spirit, the promptings of the Holy Spirit that come every single week. And may we begin to discern if, how do you know the Holy Spirit is prompting you? If you're, especially if it's moving you towards love, you can be sure that's the Holy Spirit. And so if you're sensing the Spirit pulling you towards love, may you listen and move in that direction. With your hands and your hearts in a posture of receiving, brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of the living God, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you and fill you with peace. And may you walk out of this building in the power of the Holy Spirit, being carried by the wind of the Spirit. May you say yes to the interruptions, to the surprises, because it just might be that the Holy Spirit is trying to get your attention. May you listen deeply to the voice of the Spirit. May you open yourself to Jesus and all for the glory of God. I bless you all in the strong, in the beautiful, in the resurrected name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Grace and peace to you.